I want to thank everyone for helping out with the wedding yesterday. It was it was a marvelous event, and um, we couldn't have done it without all the hard hard workers that helped us with all the chairs and and the Gordon family. Man, they really uh, stood up and, and, and did a great job at the place. And it's it's not an easy thing to do to put a wedding together like that. And you know, it was hot, which was probably kind of good because my sweat covered my tears. And but. You know, there was a lot of preparation that whole week before that in the hot. And um, uh, Jessica and I, we, we worked on it, but there was a lot of folks that worked harder than us, I think. And so we thank you guys very much for that. Now, also, uh, thank you uh, for being here today. And uh, I, I want to wish the fathers a happy Father's Day. I did not make a Father's Day message because... I am very touched by fathership. And after the wedding, and in this, two emotional messages in one week is too much for me. But I want to give you a little heads up about, about uh, what kind of an impact fathers have on us, and, and then we'll go about our message. My great-grandfather was an orphan when he was a small child. And he didn't have anyone to take care of him until a man with the last name of Rebel stood up and adopted him, uh, took him under his wing, and and raised him. And my great-grandfather soaked up and absorbed what it is to be a father from the man who raised him. And that was passed on down through my, my heritage. And I value that very much. I see the, the example of father, fathership, of fatherhood, and why I believe God gives us that in Jesus Christ. We all are orphans in this world. There's no way for us to, to have any way to get out of our our bad situations of sin. Uh, But we have a Father in heaven. And we have a Savior who adopted us in. We, none of us are even really, uh, we aren't Jews. We aren't Jewish. and, And those are the folks that God chose to begin with until Jesus and then rest of us are are grafted in there so we've been adopted and praise God for that so let me pray and uh, one more thing there's a fellow here today that is also a father and it's actually my wife's father and uh, this is the first time that he's ever been uh, here in this church I think so Uh, Mark DeWald uh, thank you for being part of our congregation today. And happy Father's Day. (laughs) So now, uh, let's pray again and we'll get started with our message. Uh, Father God, I thank you for Paul, the Apostle Paul, and and what he provides to us in his missionary journeys so that we can learn from them. Lord, help us to learn what he is applying and help us to apply it to our community. It's in Jesus' name, amen. 
So we are ready for Acts chapter 13, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Acts chapter 13, starting with verse 44. Um, we learned from last week that Paul and Barnabas, they are working together on a missionary trip, and they are uh, preaching the Word of God in a synagogue. Now, the week before what we're about to read, they were preaching. And the folks were very excited about what they heard. Uh, the Jewish folk and the Gentiles that were outside there that were listening um, were excited about the word that they were bringing. And they said, please uh, come and preach to us next week. We want to we hear it. And, and so here they are. Of course, you don't have to ask Paul twice to come and, and praise the name of God and preach the word of God. And so uh, we see them uh, coming back to that situation. Let me read to you Acts chapter 13, verses 44 through 52. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for this message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and they ran them out of town. So they shook their, the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and they went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Point number one for today is to watch out for jealousy. Now, what do we mean by this? Uh, watch out for jealous people? Not necessarily. Watch out for jealousy that resides inside of us. Maybe you've all experienced this at some point in time or another. I think that we all can probably be jealous over one thing or another. Uh, I tend to be jealous uh, when my wife says something smart, and I'm just not that smart. Boy, I wish I had the right answers. Um, we all can understand this, but this jealousy thing can really take hold of us. <clears throat> You know, these folks in this text, they were eager to hear it first. They invited them to come back again next week. We want to hear more. Almost the entire city came, <clears throat> the scripture says. They came back to hear. But then they said, what message do you have for us? And he just gives us a clue about what's going on in their minds. What message, Paul and Barnabas do you have for us, for the Jews, for those of us who are selected to hear the word of God? 
and to act upon it. See, the, the word of, of, of salvation had spread um, for all. We see that in verse 49. You know, everyone showed up to learn more, but the, uh, the certain amount of Jews here were jealous. And all of a sudden, this new guy comes into town, Paul and Barnabas, and they must have been really good at, at speaking because folks just flocked to listen to them. They must have been uh, very entertaining and believable. And they were just hungry for this word. And so here these new guys come into town and uh, they were drawing crowds. They were getting more recognition than uh, the synagogue had had in years probably or even at all. Paul here with his, with his preaching, with his message is erasing the distinction between Jews, which remember were the special, the uh, chosen folk, and all the rest. And here begins a seed of jealousy. You know, offering the promises of Abraham to everyone. How could Paul do that? If you were a jealous Jew, you would be thinking things like, how can he bring this word and just offer it to everyone? I mean, maybe you would think if you were a jealous a Jewish person in this text back then that Paul's talking about, maybe think, well, we keep the Sabbath. Uh, the Gentiles, they don't keep the Sabbath. We keep the Sabbath at least most of the time. I mean, no one's perfect. And, and we offer sacrifices to God's for our sins, to God for our sins, uh, most of them, it's hard to identify all the little ones. Maybe they might say, we, we follow all the 613 commandments for the most part. I mean, it's hard to follow 613 commandments. I, I, I personally have never tried, but it has to be hard. I mean, there's, there's ones like... Uh, the, the king may not have too many horses. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 16. Boy, today, I think, I think we don't have a king, but we have a president. And, and he doesn't have horses. Uh, but, boy, he's got Air Force One. And he's got all kinds of... Does our king have too many horses? Uh, hmm. So anyway, they were jealous because uh, they're following as many as they can and again some of them uh, you know how are they going to follow these uh, sure the, the, the king might have too many horses sure maybe we don't uh, ask forgiveness for each one of our sins but uh, we definitely don't eat owls this is this is uh, Leviticus chapter 11 verses 13 through 19 uh just let me bore you momentarily with this. These are the birds that are detestable to you. You must never eat them. The griffin vulture, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the falcons of all kinds, the ravens of all kinds, the eagle owl, the short-eared owl, the seagull, the hawks of all kinds, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the barn owl, the desert owl, and so I don't need to read any more. You're not supposed to eat a lot of things according to this Old Testament, but something about an owl that you really shouldn't eat an owl. 
And so these guys are thinking, man, we do all this stuff. Well, I mean, maybe we don't do it perfectly. We don't eat owls. And yet you're going to preach the good news to everybody, not just us who are trying to please God. The Gentiles, they don't even try. They don't even take an attempt at these 613. They don't even know the Old Testament Scripture. And you're offering this word to them? Jealousy. You know, and the jealousy is two parts. Number one, they're jealous of Paul and Barnabas. These guys that are drawing crowds. And they're jealous that the Gentiles are hearing the word that they were chosen for. Galatians uh, chapter 3, verses 28 through 29 says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Other translations say true Jew. This is what we are. No longer us and them. There's no reason for the jealousy. Paul wrote this letter in Galatians. He wrote this to the people that he's speaking to in Acts right now. So, let's let's look at an illustration that Jesus provides. Imagine the prodigal son. So, the story of the prodigal son, as Jesus tells it, uh, the... The father has two sons and one goes away and squanders all of his inheritance after he asked for it early and uh, comes back. And now he's got another son has been with him the whole time. And the son that comes back and it's wasted everything, the father is excited for. Puts a ring on his finger. Uh, cooks a big old beef um, that's been uh, you know, being raised and fattened just perfectly. He uh, puts a cloak on him. He throws a party. All for the son that's come back. And the son that's been there the whole time begins to get jealous. Why haven't you given me any of this stuff? Well, son, the father says, it's, you've been with me the whole time. It's always been yours. But this other son of mine was gone and now he's come back. And there's jealousy happening in the son who was there the whole time. Listen, these jealous Jews are failing to see that they have had a relationship with God the whole time. The message of salvation is inside of their scripture, of their text, and inside of their mind if they're learning it like they should be. Most probably were. They were primed and ready for it. They've had it. But now they're jealous because somebody who doesn't have that background can also have it. Let's make sure that we're not like that. Let's make sure that we want everyone to know Jesus. Everyone to have the hope that we know. And not feel like, boy, they don't do anything good. 
well, they don't ever come to church. They don't ever uh, sing praises to God. They don't need salvation. That's not the way we ought to be. Salvation is still for sinners. You don't need to get right before coming to God. God is what makes you right. And it's the only way you can be made right. The promise is for all to call upon His name. This also means that just because your family comes to church or your granddad was an elder or that you have all the gold stars for Sunday school um, that uh, doesn't mean that you are automatically saved in the family of God. You must personally accept the message of salvation to receive the promise that God offers, the promise of the Holy Spirit in order to become the new creation and inherit the blessings of those who belong to God's family. Don't become jealous. Now point number two is the light. You see, Jesus is the light and we want to reflect His light. Paul He was preaching that Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah that the Jews had been waiting on for so long. And he's telling them about this. Man, think back uh, uh, to Luke chapter uh, 2, verse 25. This is when Jesus is a baby. And he's been born. This illustrates this really well. So his name is Simeon. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and uh, was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. This is this man. And right after Jesus was born, he was one of the first Jews to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the light of the world. And he was in the temple when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to be dedicated when he was just eight days old. Simeon, he took the baby Jesus uh, into his arms and he embraced the Messiah and praised God. And this is what he said when he praised God. Verse, verse 29, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is the light. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of of your people, Israel. The light. The Jews were set apart from the Gentiles in early history, specifically to be the light to the Gentiles to draw all nations to God. But the jealous Jews the ones that Paul is dealing with here in our Scripture and Acts, just like the Old Testament Jews, just like the Pharisees and priests who condemned Jesus to death, they fall into the sin cycle that turns them away from God. In the Old Testament, they turn to the false gods, little g-gods of other nations, and worshipped idols, but now they're trying to keep others from worshiping the one and true God, Jesus, the Messiah. You ever been sleeping at night, you know, sound asleep, 
and somebody comes in early in the morning before it's even light outside and flips on the light, real bright light. You're like, oh, turn off the light. It hurts. It's not time to get up yet. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think this is this is something to help us understand it. Uh, you know, this is like the uh, J- Jewish folk, they thought they had it good. They were sleeping, uh, in a sense. Uh, they, they had a relationship with God. They'd been offering sacrifices. They just are going through the things. And, and, and the light comes. Jesus comes. Boom! It's on. And even though all their text had led them up to it, they're like, oh, turn the light off. We don't, we don't want it. They weren't able to see it. As opposed to the Gentiles. The folks who didn't have that relationship with one of God. They weren't sleeping. They were like in bed. Like when you're a kid with the blanket over your head because there's a, the boogeyman that's hiding in the closet, right? And you can't get any sleep and you're like, oh. And then the light comes on and you're like, yes, no more boogeyman. Because the light always defeats the boogeyman. Well, Jesus, the light, always defeats Satan. And when Jesus comes, are you going to be like the Jews? Oh, no. It's too much. I can't do it. Or are you going to be like, yes! No more do I have to try and be perfect. Because Jesus is there for us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Jesus said himself in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And Jesus said of us in Matthew chapter 15, verses 14 and 15, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the household. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Paul preached this message of salvation. He preached it to all. Not just the Jews. Not just the Gentiles. He preached it to everyone. This light of Jesus revealed the pride and the jealousy and the lack of love and compassion that the Jews had for others. When the light exposes, folks, when the light exposes what's in your heart, and you can no longer hide those secret sins in the dark corner or cover them up with your good works, following the laws that Jews thought that would work forever. 
you are forced to make a decision. Accept Jesus under his conditions or reject him and his offer of salvation. Verse 46 of our text in Acts uh, talks about the, the, the Gentiles gladly accepting the message and the Messiah. They, Paul and, and Barnabas spoke out boldly, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you, but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves worthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. What does that mean, worthy? Judged yourselves worthy of eternal life. See, the, the Gentiles gladly accepted the message in the Messiah, making them worthy. They accepted the message. The, the Jews, however, they rejected the message and fought against it, making them unworthy worthy worthy versus unworthy hinges on your response to Jesus chosen for eternal life refers to accepting the one preplanned way that is God God chose to provide eternal life through the death burial and resurrection of Jesus we mustn't forget that Jesus is the light and we are to reflect his light. Point number three is to dust off your feet doesn't mean defeat. So Paul and Barnabas, man, when, uh, when they got, you know, they were, the others were scoffing at them. They're like, oh, oh Yeah. We're dusting off our feet. Now, this there's, this is in a lot of different places in Scripture. We read of people just dusting off their feet. And I, I wonder what that looked like back then. They had sandals and they like, you know, dusting off their What did that mean and what did it look like? Um, and you can, you can have several ideas. Uh, maybe it was, uh, boy, I'm done with these folks. Forget them. They're, you know, they're hopeless. Or maybe it means like, okay, I can't do any good. I'm hanging up my hat. I'm, I'm quitting. Uh, not doing it anymore. But let's not focus on either one of those because I don't believe that that is either one. Here's my point. Paul had accomplished his mission in Antioch and he preached the good news. He revealed the light and he moved on when these guys gave him difficulty. He didn't lose momentum. He didn't lose his passion for preaching the good news. And when we leave those people that aren't accepting it, it doesn't mean that they can never accept it and that we're writing them off. Maybe someone else will come and bring to them. Paul revealed the light. Some believed and they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Others became angry and they stirred up trouble. They slandered and argued against whatever Paul said. Verse 45, they slandered. What a pain in the neck. 
when they argue, you ever deal with somebody who just argues with every single thing you say? Some of you are saying, yeah, it's my husband. Uh, it's Father's Day, so you can't call him out on that. Um, just argues about every single word. Uh, man, that's no good. It, that reminds me of Nehemiah. You remember, we were talking about Nehemiah in Sunday school. You remember when we were studying him, um, the, the other guy, the bad guys, uh, Sambalah, Geshem, and Tobiah, they, they complained and, and argued, and they, they just were doing whatever they could, um, lowballing, trying to get the everybody ra- rascaled up, rounded up, and all the rascals to, to fight against them, just just uh, taking low blows. Oh, how how annoying that is. Uh, they were slandering Paul and arguing about everything. But Paul kept on preaching the word of life. And then, then in verse 50, uh, they pull out the big guns, these jealous shoes. <laughs> they stirred up the influential religious women in the leaders of the city and they incited a, a mob. I mean, uh, women are... are, are, are I, they're wonderful, and we need them to be fathers. But evidently, back then, if you got a uh, influential religious woman, and you stirred her up, she was quite effective at inciting a mob. Um, this is what the Jewish folk did. That they, 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 they would. So here's the point from here, men: uh, stand up and be men. Don't go to the women to do your job. Even, I mean, these guys weren't, they weren't focused on the right thing. But it's also a good example for us men who are doing the right thing. When, they, when God's asking us or telling us to do it, uh, let's stand up as men and, and take the responsibility in our own hands. Don't be like, well, I don't know if I can get that done. I'll go talk to the women and see if they can get something done, right? I mean, they are better than us at, at a lot of things. But let's not... Uh, cop out on on things that we must be doing. We must know our mission. Uh, Know your job. You know, you've heard it said, you've got one job, you do it. So know your mission. Like Paul, we are messengers and we have been filled with the light that exposes sin and reveals the way, the truth, and the life because the Holy Spirit lives in inside of us we are to give the message and to live by example when someone rejects the message of Christ we are not responsible to change their mind it would sure be good if we could but we don't have that power all the time only the Holy Spirit does we don't need to argue we don't need to prove and we definitely don't want the chain to change the gospel message. Think, well, the way I presented it there didn't work, so I didn't accept it. So I need to change it to make it sound better or uh, more attractive. Um, Paul warns against altering the gospel when he writes his letter to the Galatians. He says, don't change or add to it. That is not at all what we need to do. Uh, scripture has uh, stiffer warnings. If anyone adds to this, if anyone misleads someone, uh, bad things happen. You don't want to do that. We shouldn't think that we or the message of the gospel has been defeated. Jesus sent out 
the disciples to announce that the kingdom of God was near. Matthew chapter 10, verse 11 through 14. Whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it's not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or to listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. Jesus tells us to shake the dust from our feet. In Ephesians chapter 6, 15, it's talking about the armor of God. You know, like shoes, uh, put on the peace that comes from the good news. Sometimes that means heading to the next town. Interesting that we're talking about shaking the dust from our feet and the shoes are part of the armor and that part of the armor is the peace. Okay, so you're trying real hard to preach the good news to a certain set of people, the neighbor house, or uh, maybe some folks in the welding department or something like that, and they aren't listening to it. In this case, don't lose too much sleep. Don't lose motivation. Let's just dust off our feet Realize that maybe they can't be persuaded by us and then go on to the next place and offer, offer others the good news, the message. Maybe someone else will come along and, uh, and, and make an impact on those. This is the message that Paul is, the example that Paul is giving to us. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 18. <clears throat> tells us uh, never pay back evil with more evil do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable do all that you can to live at peace with everyone I remember college uh, when the first time and and uh, when we would be evangelizing in the community and there would be uh, other people that would come up and I don't we always pick like Friday and Saturday nights I don't know why because that was probably a bad time because uh, the dudes from the fraternity would come up and they would be drunk and there there was some people who would just be outright not cool uh, while you were trying to tell them about Jesus and boy I wanted to I, I won't ever talk to that person again you know I, I didn't like those guys and I wanted Oh, I, I just felt uh, tension against them. Uh, but this is not what, this is not what we need to do here. The, the scripture says, uh, you know, don't pay back evil with more evil. Don't tackle the guy just because he won't believe in Jesus. It's not what Jesus would do. Do all that you can to live at peace. Dust off your feet. Move on. No need to fight back. Your part is to deliver the message, God's word, and the rest is up to him. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. says, In the same way, with my word, I send it out, 
and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere that I send it. Now let me let me also say that if there's ever a situation where there is false words being preached or if there is harm being done, this is this is a different situation. We then need to uh, use our boldness to stand in between. Remember, was it last week or two weeks ago where Paul and Barnabas, they rebuked the sorcerer uh, for trying to prevent others from hearing the word of Jesus and, and he was preaching a different word. And so they came at him um, actively. Uh, when we're presenting the word of God, though, and they just won't hear it, we can pray to God and leave it in God's hands. Um, last verse today. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. Wraps it, us, uh, wraps it up for us here. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So folks, let's not get tired of reaching out to our community. This is what we're discussing this semester. Reaching out to our community, having this, uh, this connection so that they can know Jesus as well. Let's not get tired of doing that because even if it seems like it's not working at just the right time, in God's timing, there will be a harvest and it will be of blessing if we don't give up. It will be way beyond what we can imagine. Regardless of the reaction of folks, keep the light of Jesus in you bright. Let's pray. Dear God, well, I thank you so much for this word that you've given us from Paul and for what he and Barnabas did. Uh, God, I thank you for the message of salvation that it is uh, for us, God. Not, not just to a certain kind of person, but to anyone who believes in you and puts their faith in what you've done for them on the cross, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would help us to be bold in sharing that word with others. Lord, help us to 